Hunters and Unicorns is a podcast that tells the stories of the most successful executives within the security and high growth software space. 33 BladeLogic sales execs have gone on to become CXOs in 100 of the fastest growing software companies. Is this a remarkable coincidence? In this special edition series, we investigate the secrets behind the greatest success story in software sales. I'm Simon Kutis, and I'm joined by my co-host, Oli Kune. Hey, everyone. And we are absolutely delighted to welcome Mauro Trioni. Mauro, welcome. Thank you, and welcome. Uh, I mean, welcome. Thank you very much, and hello to everybody that you know, is, is, will be listening. Welcome to the show, Mauro. So, Mauro, you have been described by some as the fastest man in technology. <laughs> what do you think about that? Um, uh, thank you very much. Is uh, <laughs> is uh, is uh, is very nice to be described. Uh, I mean, it depends how you describe. As, you know, the fastest man, the fastest man in closing deals, the fastest man in going from the office to the customer, in the <laughs> traffic of Rome uh, or Milan or whatever, or because you know I I was a race car driver. And I still race. I think I, I believe it's for the third option. So is um, is very nice. You know, it's it's good to be recognized for something outside just you know work. That was a big part of your kind of upbringing and kind of early. You know, before you started in sales, that was a that was a, a something you took very seriously, right? Before you yes. got into sales, tell us a yes. bit about it. Yes, so um, I, it's, a, it's a strange story because I, 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 I went to San Francisco to university, to college. And uh, when I came back to, when I went back to Italy, I had the, the, the opportunity to, to try a car in my hometown. And uh, I bought a used car because I didn't have a lot of money. So I, I started uh, you know, racing in this small circuit in the south of Italy, Bari. So uh, I had my, you know, my degree. My father was um, looking forward to get me on board in, you know, in the in the family business. But then I started winning some races in uh, in uh, in Bari. So a team, a bigger team in Milan, uh, gave me the opportunity to to race at the national level, and uh, I ended up winning the Italian Championship in touring cars. And I was rewarded with a special uh, prize in. Uh, in Bologna during the motor show with Arito Senna, you know, and uh, so, you know, they, they, they told me, would you like to, to, to race again with a bigger car? We'll give you the opportunity in racing with uh, Alfa Romeo in the European GT. So I, you know, I, I was like in having a little angel and a little devil in my shoulder. One was saying, don't do that. You, your father is looking for some help. And the other one, go, go, go. You need to, you need to have fun, you need to race. So I, 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 I told my father, you know, wait a little bit, I'll come back. But I want to, to, to try to become a professional race car driver. And I, I ended up racing for uh, full time for four years, uh, winning um, three Euro Italian championship in touring, super touring and, uh, and GT. And uh, uh, the last one was in 1995 with Peugeot in super touring. Wow. wow! So it was uh, it was quite exciting. I won the Monaco, Monaco GP. I mean, half an hour before Formula One with Alfa Romeo. Wow! Yeah, it wow. was fun. Yes. Why? Why do you think you were a good um, driver? 
Um, because I, I had the, 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 the will, the competitive uh, attitude that was, I mean, uh, is a key element in uh, when you want to, to, to be successful in doing something. So when I started, I, I didn't think about anything else. I, I, I ended up, you know, dreaming about uh, uh, driving, dreaming about uh, the setup of the car about the strategy of the of the race so everything that i had in my head was uh, related and focused on 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 driving and winning and the, the the same thing happened when i was in the car so during the race in my head nobody had to stop me nobody could stop me so i was uh, physical i was uh, technical i was um, you know uh, you cannot compare me with the the, the, the real big professional uh, race car drivers because I started very late and I was also big enough and, 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 and heavy not to, to, to sit in a formula. But uh, I believe that competitiveness and, and will were the key elements of uh, making me win some of the, you know, the titles that I got. I wonder how that relates to your sales career. I think there's definitely an analogy <laughs> right there, isn't there? Yes, yes. Also because I think that I went to school to study uh, marketing for the fashion industry. So when I decided to join uh, the racing uh, career, I was not even aware of what software was uh, or, you know, IT. Uh, IT thought, I thought was the initial for Italy, but nothing else. So... <laughs> Um, when they asked me, would you like to work in IT? And I said, I'm already in, in Italy, you know, what do you want from me? But, <laughs> but it, was, uh, it, was, it was fun because uh, I, I got a call from, uh, um, from um, well, by the way, in 95, I, I quit racing. So I ended up uh, starting selling sales in a, in a, for a sale maker because I was also windsurfer. And uh, uh, somebody, a friend of mine called me and he said, there is a software company called PTC, Parametric Technology Corporation, and they're looking for somebody to sell uh, software, uh, CAD CAM, uh, in, 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 the, in south of Italy. So why don't you uh, try? Why don't you uh, talk to these people? So I said, no, come on. I don't know anything about software. And they said, no, don't worry, because they, they are looking for competitive guys. So people that have a background of sport, of competitiveness, of will, so give it, give it a try. And I ended up having a conversation with a, a big guy, American guy, super, you know, a star in, in, in football, that his name was Steve Strachan. And I, I remember I was impressed because, you know, he was really uh, looking forward for that kind of attitude. At the, at the, at the end, I accepted it. And, uh, and they said, don't worry about uh, knowing how the software works because we will teach you. But nobody can teach you to be competitive because you have it in your, in, in your DNA. And we're looking for that kind of guy. There is, there is a, a movie called um, uh, Days of Thunder with yeah. Tom Cruise. Yeah, very well. yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when they want to convince uh, the, the, the chief mechanic, the guy that uh, is uh, David Duval, to go back in racing, and he says, do you have a driver? And he said, yeah, I have a driver. What is his name? He says, you, you don't know him, but uh, he's a good driver. And he said, uh, I cannot teach him how to be a driver. So he says, do, do you see that hunting dog? He's my hunting dog. 
uh, I never teach anything to that hunting dog, but it's the best hunting dog you can find in the world. So PTC was looking for people that had competitiveness inside. How to sell sales process, it was something we could learn. That's why I believe that competitive attitude helped me to become a salesperson. For sure. And how I don't quickly, know if I answer your question. Very much, I think. Um, and how quickly did you transition? How quickly were you able to pick up the, the technology and the... Very quickly, I believe, because um, for one quarter, I was, um, you know, learning. My learning uh, curve was pretty fast. So we, we had some uh, very good training. So I was, uh, I'm always thankful to, uh, to PTC and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and the management at the time, especially a guy named John McMahon, Carlo Carpanelli, because um, they, they, they put together a structure that was a fantastic way to learn how to become successful in selling software uh, following uh, a specific process. So uh, for the first three months, uh, I was just concentrating in, concentrating in understanding how the software was working, why it was important for our customer to, 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 to look at that product, the value that we could bring changing the way they were designing using this 3D software, and then with the process to convince, him, to convince them very fast that was the right thing to do. And the amount of money they were spending with us were justified by the return of investment that we put together using that process. So uh, it was fast. I, in three months, I was able to go out and sell and I closed 30 new names in the following three months in an area where before, the, let's say, the, using that process, uh, my predecessor was, I think, he closed two, two, two customers in two years. Wow. Or something like that. Maybe I exaggerate a little bit, but it was, it was a it was, good run. So, wow. so why were you more able to close those deals compared to your predecessor? Because we did apply that process. We follow the process in a very strict way. So, for example, uh, we talk about medic. You need, you need metrics, the economic buyer, decision process, decision criteria, identify the pain, and uh, you need a champion. So we were in a, you know, very maniacal in following that process, in, following, uh, in having all those steps covered because we knew that, for example, without the champion, you could not close the deal. Sometimes other way to sell, uh, they, you, know, you cut corners. Maybe you're, you, know, you do things in a more natural way. You can be lucky and close, or maybe you, 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 know, you, end, you, you end up spending a lot of time in, in your sales uh, activity. So uh, we were successful because we, we were not cutting corners. So, uh, and we, with, that, with the attitude, with the competitiveness, we were able to do it fast enough to close the deal, maybe in one quarter or maybe at maximum in, in two. So when they were interviewing you, were they just looking for competitive or were there other characteristics that you were aware that they were also judging you against? No, it was not just competitiveness. They were looking for, and this is what I learned because this is what I look for now when I interview guys, is um, intelligence because, uh, uh, and, and definitely you need to have the, the, the will of doing things. Intelligence is, and coachability. 
coachability because uh, if you want to be if you if you need to learn about something and understand why that stuff is important okay you need to metabolize it you need to be intelligent enough to understand and coachable to listen to uh, other people telling you that maybe that is something important to do uh, some, sometimes it happens that you see very good people, good employees, but uh, they listen to you, but they don't understand deeply why they are asked to do something. They just do it. And this doesn't work you know, in a way that is the best way possible. So I believe that if you find somebody that is competitive, intelligent, coachable, and has the will, and has an integrity, okay, so is, that is very, you know, is another area where, you know, I was uh, challenged, you have the best uh, people around you. So I believe that PTC was doing that, not just competitive people, but with all the other characteristics. So, so Mauro, Italians by nature have a reputation, shall we say, of being quite social, you know, a little bit more kind of not necessarily at a slower pace, but you know, much that they take a much more relationship-driven sales process. How would you describe yourself compared to kind of the typical um, kind of Italian kind of person? Um, okay, at the beginning, we were not. I mean, just Italian because uh, we were in, let's say, in the Marine Corps. Uh, PTC <laughs> was, you know, discipline, discipline, discipline. You had to execute in a very maniacal way, the process. And, and we were all the, you know, the same around the world. You could be Italian, you could be English, you can be French, but we were talking the same language. We were uh, executing the same uh, activity. And uh, we were also you know, challenged all, you know, all the time, every day by our management. And uh, it was impossible to be Italian. So where, when this came in place, because then you had different flavors, because I was executing the process in the right way, maybe using my own style. But I don't think this applies only because we are Italian or French or English or Americans. It, 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 it is connected to the personality of people, because uh, I have my own personality. Some other people, some other colleagues have their own personality. So... The, the good thing is that you can have, again, different flavor, but with the same foundation. Then uh, if you are, for example, if you move to management, you can uh, be sure that because you have intelligent people that are coachable, that they understood what they need to do, they have the right foundation, you can, and they have their own personality, then you can position them, being sure that, that the task will be completed, that the activity will be done, but in, in a position in the company where that characteristic based on the personality will, will, will be more effective. I don't know if it makes sense. That's 100% makes sense. And actually, that's that, yeah, that the, the point that I wanted to make was that you know, what, what you're saying is, is that the ability to understand the kind of raw attributes of a person and giving them a process, a playbook, as you described, whether it's the medic or the sales training that you've given, <clears throat> allows you to create a sales culture which is, which is the same across every region, across every territory, and that kind of transcends every part of the business. And I think that's an amazing strategy to have been executed by the likes of John. Yeah, and, and I, 
And I think this is the important part, which is what he's enabled individuals to do, like yourself, is to ensure that you're putting your personality into it as well, so that it's not robotic. What he hasn't done is he hasn't turned everybody into robots and said, right, you've got to do it this way without putting your personality and doing it your way. And this is you know, visible through every individual that we've spoken to in this series, that everybody has adapted it in their own way and done it in their own style. And this is what is really important, which is yes. why I believe there's been such longevity to the methods used because he hasn't made people work unnaturally and against their natural grain. Uh, yes, and I believe also he ended up being this way in the last years because mm. when we started, we were, you know, most of us, we were young. Look at, for example, uh, I have a, a great friend of mine, Cedric Pesh, is the <laughs> chief revenue officer worldwide of MongoDB. When we joined PTC, he was 20 years old, 21, 22. I mean, very young. I don't exactly remember his age, but it was coming from a competitive uh, background. It was a national downhill skier in France. Incredibly intelligent, talented, and uh, competitive guy. Uh, we were Marines. No personality. The personality came later. So the use of our personality as a skill to put ourselves in specific role was, after, was visible after a while. You need to know somebody enough to understand if his personality could be a value or could be a problem, even if he knows what he's doing. Because that's why I believe that you see this now that those guys that were salespeople at PTC now have management position because it came, it came natural for them to, to, to get a position based on their skills and their personality. Cedric is great because he's, he's absolutely, he's, he's a maniac in, in the execution, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's fantastic. So it was natural to, to, as, you know, to, to, to put him and, and help him to grow and become a great leader. I don't know if it makes sense. Some, some other people became very good, maybe managing partners because they were more, um, uh, you know, Italians, let's say in, in that way, <laughs> because, you know, in, in, in and more diplomatic. Okay. So they knew what the foundation was and, and then it was applied to, 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 to grow and to make a specific area more successful. I am that kind of guy. I am more diplomatic. In fact, when in, in, you know later we we grew in in companies like BMC, it was giving to me an opportunity in managing partners because my personality was more adapt to that kind of role. Yeah, and Rick was with me, but managing direct sales guys because of his energy, because of his discipline, and because of his attitude. And so I think to give visibility over. Your career, 90, obviously finished your racing driving, selling uh, windsurfing sales, joined PTC in 1997, three successful years in a key account management position, up to 2000, 2000, joined EMC as a key account manager, and you did that role for three years and was promoted to then district sales manager which you then did for a further three years before joining Blade Logic. 
before joining Blade Logic, can you give us a bit of an insight into EMC and your roles and your transition at that period, at that point? Yes. So um, when I left PTC, because some some changes happened, uh, John was John McMahon was gone. Carlo uh, and Cedric were gone as well. They decided to take another challenge. So um, I, I ended up meeting somebody at EMC. My wife was in Bari, south of Italy. I was working at PTC in Bologna, and uh, we wanted to. I was looking. I was meeting my 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 kids only in you know, weekends. So um, the opportunity at EMC was in Rome, halfway between Bologna and Bari. I I I, I was. Uh, let's say EMC was a great company, big, uh, very well known, you know, a big multi million, billion dollars company. And uh, I ended up accepting. Uh, so when I was there, it was fun because some of my, some of the management was looking at me in a different way from the others because they knew that I had that, those skills, you know, the, the, the medic, the sales process, the attitude, the discipline. So um, it was also a great opportunity for me to work in a company that was not used to it, even if they had their own, uh, you know, uh, strategic selling uh, training or things that are more, you know, famous than the medic. Uh, but but for me, it was great because for six years, I was able to grow my own space and be, let's say, recognized as one of the guy coming from PTC that was marine style, competitive, looking for results, looking for overachievement. And this gave me the opportunity also to become a district sales manager and, uh, and uh, learning also how a big company works. Because when you want to grow your career, you need also to understand how a big company uh, works. And PTC at the time was big, but not that big. So um, all the back office activity, uh, the fact that we were also selling hardware. So it was a great experience to become a better salesperson. So to transition from a key account manager to a district sales manager, how did you and how were you able to make that transition into, into management? And was it the fundamentals that you learned at PTC was that an influence and did that help you make that transition it was a natural thing mm. I believe everything is inside of you when you also grow as you know from as a man as a person not only as a sales guy you you become more mature so um, I was definitely ready to in, in my opinion to 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 manage a bigger team as, as a key account manager, I was already, let's say, working with, with people uh, because we had uh, overlays because EMC was a big company with different products. So the key account manager was kind of leading this virtual team. So it was a natural path to then have your own team. So uh, and it was, it was fun because uh, EMC was um, looking for a new market. A smaller company, they acquired General, uh, I forgot the name of the company. Anyway, they had a new product called, called Clarion, not just the Symmetrics. So they gave me the opportunity to go after a large number of accounts with a, with a big number of sales guys and, and supported by the channel. So it was uh, uh, an interesting task. So it was not just a natural growth as a manager 
in, in the regular EMC was to go after accounts as a hunter. The same thing I was doing at PTC. So again, it became natural to me, for me, to, to do something using the skills and the personality that it was successful at PTC and now could, could have been successful at EMC. Yeah. The, the, the ground field where I was operating was exactly similar to the one that I was used to. So it became very natural to, to go in that position. We were, we were called the, the pirates. <laughs> uh, we, you know, really, we had we had a, they give us a specific T-shirt with the with the the the, the, the skull and the, and the bones uh, uh, in 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 the in the team because we were you know the aggressive uh, sales force uh, looking for um, smaller accounts trying to sell storage to company that until then never bought storage before. So so, so it's amazing. You're saying that in a company like EMC where big large corporate right it's very easy to kind of get lost within that but you built your own kind of almost mini reputation your 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 own kind of marine corps within that yes and is also because a couple of guys coming from ptc they ended up in management position at emc in boston <laughs> uh, there is a guy named john hanlon that was at ptc he, he was my boss for i think 3 months before we we, we left and uh, and John, he did the same thing that I did. He left PTC to join EMC, and he was leading the commercial market. It was exactly the same area where I became a district sales manager. So I think that EMC put me in that position because starting from Hanlon in, in Boston, they were looking to build a commercial division based on those characteristics. So Hanlon, I think he, he went around and he said, okay, are there any PTC guys at EMC? I want them because they, they will be part of my team. So they talked to the country managers. I believe they put us there because of that particular reason. Wow. wow. I think that's a big testament really to the, the recipe that was obviously put together at PTC. And I think, you know, for the sake of our listeners, I think you just need to appreciate this was 30 years ago, right? This is, <laughs> this is not yesterday. You know, this is a, a strategy, a playbook, which, um, yes, it's evolved, but it was proven and it was really having incredible results. And yet, you'd say the vast majority of that teaching is still being implemented today. And still not recognized. <laughs> no, it's, it's different. Uh, mm. Now I, I, I think it's more visible because uh, uh, there are uh, big organizations that do uh, enablement. Just to give you one name, because I love them. Uh, force management. Yeah. Uh, force John Kaplan. He's going to be John on our Kaplan. show. My, my great friend, John Kaplan. I mean, you can feel the DNA of PTC in everything they do. So, and, and that activity, and it, John was able to, to, to make it evolve in something much bigger and, and, and more structure. Because again, as I said, we started being kids and then all the years of experience, also for John that decided to go in that direction, uh, made the medic completely transform in something else. You know, so with the sales structure process that was, you know, used by John to enable many companies. So I don't think he was not recognized. 
maybe mm. he's not recognized with the same frame that he had at PTC. But if you look at the training that Delphix did, BMC did, I think we were also in Bazaar Voice, everything done by force management has the medic DNA. Yeah. I suppose what I meant by that is that if this is such a tried and tested model, then why is not every software company using the same methodologies and strategy? Because um, not everybody uh, believes that is, is the best way to do things. Some, some people, well, I, I can also speak for myself. Mm. That diplomatic and Italian style did Im- influence the way of, of I was doing things, even if I had the foundation that were the right ones. So sometimes you, you also believe that maybe, you know, to, to, do, to do things in that way is, it requires a lot of energy, a lot of effort, because you really need to be into that. Cutting corners is the easiest way you can do. You can achieve results also using politics, using, uh, you know, a different style, a different process. You can still do it. Sometimes you're lucky enough to have a product that is what the market wants and uh, it, 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 it sells by, by, by itself. So you believe then that you are successful, not because of the product, but because you are the greatest sales guy in the world. And then you try to do it again, but without a great product. And, uh, and this is where you end up not being successful. But again, some companies, some people believe that they can do it without because again is uh, it requires a lot of energy to be applied yeah and discipline i mean a big discipline part discipline, discipline is big big mm. big it's easy to cut corners easy 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 not to make that tough telephone call to to make uh, the tough questions as we we call them you know be courage courageous courageous enough to to ask uh, a question that you know it might end up with an answer that you don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. So some salespeople, they say, okay, I don't want to ask because I want to have in my mind the fact, the optimism that things will happen in, in a natural way. They never do. Yep. They do happen because you make them happen. And to yep. make them happen, you need to ask those tough questions that sometimes require, again, discipline and energy to, to, to be asked. Yeah, and, and not hearing the answer that you don't want to hear, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> which is then building false positives over forecasting, exactly. etc., which is what Medic present, prevents, right? But exactly, because Medic was not built as a sales process. Mm. It was built as a forecasting tool, tool. Yeah, yeah. To, be, to be sure, to, to check if the forecast of the sales guy was accurate or not. So what yeah. Mount did was, I will do reverse engineering on a successful uh, salespeople and see what he does successfully that is different from the others. And I will use that, those, those elements to be sure that when I check a deal of somebody, he has done them. So the number that is forecasting is correct and will happen. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. So moving on, EMC, a knock at the door in 2007 by Cedric, was it? Uh, EMC, I, oh. yes. 
Uh, Cedric, you're also your door for Blade Logic. Yeah, but we 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 became uh, friends at PTC, so we ended up uh, you know staying in touch as friends. Also, when I was at EMC and he was uh, at Think Three, and um, you know, working in a big company sometimes is uh, is not fun. Let's say this. So uh, it can be good. You can create your own career. You can end up sitting in your big office with two assistants looking at uh, a big screen uh, with uh, full of Excel files. But uh, if you have that competitive attitude and you like to go out and you like to go and talk to customers and, and make the sales call and close the deal, and um, you want sometimes also a new challenge. And uh, Cedric came to me and he said, um, you know, McMahon, because he was, he's an idol. So uh, where is John? John is now at uh, Blade Logic. Blade Logic, what is it? Oh, fantastic, blah, blah, blah. Let's go because we can start. Yeah. And, uh, and we were also looking for opportunities because if you work in a company like EMC and they give you stock options, I remember they give me, uh, when they promoted me, a uh, bunch of stock options and the value was zero because uh, it was already you know a big company they give me the stock at the price of the market, you know, market price and uh, after a few weeks they did a split so it was absolutely zero value but you know it, it, it looked big uh, blade logic was a real one because it's a company that wants to go public it has a fantastic product has the greatest team that you can dream because is the people that you, you, you learn from and they understand you without talking because during those years, we also understood how to communicate without even speaking because we knew, because we knew that we were thinking the same way. So I accepted. It was tough because I, I left my two offices, Rome and Milan, my team, my secretary, to go and put my hands back in the mud. Me and Cedric only in Italy. We had a big title, but at the end, we were like one-man band. I, I had, you know, you know one-man band, the one that has the yeah, trumpet, yeah. has the guitar, has the... Simon does that. Yeah, but it's great because yeah. you have a great target that is achievable, a product that the, the market wants because uh, is, is, uh, is, uh, is hot. Mm. And, uh, and, uh, and you can make money. And that's an, another thing that we learned during the, the years. When, when you look for an opportunity, you need to look for these components that uh, I found in, in Blade Logic. And again, more than that, what really was a, a driver for me was to go back with a friend like Cedric, with people like Luca Lazzaron, like John, and, uh, and, and have fun again working because that's another story. Maybe we, we, we'll talk later, but you, 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 you put yourself so much into work and because we live only once and the clock does not reverse, you need to use your time working in a good way, having fun, not just making money because you're wasting your life otherwise. Mm. And it makes sense. Completely, and this is a really important part that we, we, you know, we've we've actually put to, to put aside to actually have a conversation about this later on. But so, the joining of Blade Logic, you're back with your 
with your with your original group with a team that you're very familiar with with a leadership team that you're very familiar with i think the interesting point for us is that when we set around set up going and looking and identifying about this story it all started originally at blade logic for us obviously yourself and others have actually drawn attention to the PTC part. So for our listeners, I think that part of the story is going to be missing in some of the individuals that we're speaking to. But PTC is really a, a very, very kind of like prominent part of this story where this all came from. So really important to fill that part of that gap. So Blade Logic, you're there, you've started this new role, you're back with similar sort of team, joined in 2007. And shortly after 2008, acquisition comes along. You go for your IPO, you've gone public, you've now been acquired by BMC. Tell us a little bit more about the journey and the acquisition that happened with BMC acquisition. Yeah. So um, Blade Logic was short, but incredibly exciting and, and, and fast growing experience because we went public in a very successful way. So we were um, sincerely looking for a natural growth as a company. I, I, I think it was, it was um, uh, at the end of a uh, few, few months later, the, the, um, the IPO. I remember David Ceria ringing the bell with a, a Marinella tie that I gave him <laughs> just for that purpose. So I was very proud he was wearing an Italian tie when he ringed the bell at, uh, in the stock market. And uh, um, so we said, what's going to happen? And uh, he, the answer was, no, 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 we, you know, because you know, you know that if you are a successful IPO, there is a big risk that a big company will acquire you because it happened. Uh, it happens. So uh, there is the, the answer was, no, 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 we're going to grow. We're going to hire. We're going to, you know, attack the market as never before. And then each of a sudden we were invited. At, you know, the answer, the, 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 new, the news arrived in, in, in Italy and in France, everywhere says we were acquired by BMC. So we, we knew that BMC was not the company with DNA of Logic, but not close, far, far away. We were like, you know, uh, water and wine, uh, devil and, and angel. Um, we, had, we had that feeling about those guys. The, Sincerely, I, I now I have a you know big respect. I cannot talk that way, but we we thought they were sleeping people, and uh, and we ended up going in uh, in uh, in Nashville. <laughs> this is a fun story uh, for for the kickoff of BMC, and uh, as a division of BMC, Blade Logic, we thought that uh, we they were going to fire uh, all of us because again we were. Not, not the same kind of guys. We didn't have the same training. They were talking a different language. They were using a different process. So we said, okay, you know, we're going to Nashville, but uh, because we have to do it, but maybe, you know, we go back and we find uh, a letter in the, in the mailbox saying, you know, thank you very much, but please go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I remember they organized some trainings and a couple of friends at Blade Logic says, Mauro, this is boring. Are you going to listen to this? And I said, oh, come on. There were so many guys you could hide very easily, very easily, and disappear. So there was a beautiful golf course 
next to the <laughs> Nashville Hotel. So I, I remember, Hervé I, 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 Timsit, I don't remember who was with me. I said, okay, let's go and, and organize a four ball. Let's go and play and play golf. So we, we kind of, you know, disappeared very slowly. Nobody saw us. And uh, we, we booked the tea time. We went to the golf course. And at the first tee, we found another five or six golf carts <laughs> with all the PTZ guys, <laughs> the Blade Logic guys. <laughs> everybody, everybody had the same idea. What are you doing here? <laughs> and um, McMahon was pissed. He was very upset because he discovered that, you know, we were all gone. And, uh, and at the end, the reason was that, you know, uh, BMC was not just looking for the Blade Logic product. They were looking for the Blade Logic people to change, to transform their attitude using our, let's say, energy or skills. We found a lot of good people there. So it was just a matter of communicating understanding each other uh, we uh, identified you know the intelligence the coachability the wish the the will the the competitiveness uh, competitiveness attitude in, in 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 some of our colleagues and uh, and it was uh, it was fun again we're a bigger company so my experience at emc was then really helpful because uh, i i knew how a company like bmc operated because i had uh, six years of experience seven years of experience at emc so in, in but it was it was it was fun the, the 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 fact that we ended up at bmc was uh kaplan came in place first thing we did mcmahon said okay we need to uh use that methodology so force management the the training and it was exciting because um it was also great not only to go out and sell, but to develop people around you with the same mentality. Hiring, hiring guys. So, so John, uh, John McMahon obviously took over as CRO at that time, maybe six weeks after SKO, right? So he straight away went in and appointed his generals in key positions, brought his allies, brought John Kaplan, as you said, force management, how quickly did the BMC guys get on board with the change? Was there any resistance on their part or, yes. or did they transition? No, it was a big resistance. Um, but uh, the, the good thing was that the key elements were decided by, by John, by David Ticheri and uh, uh, Luca Lazzaron uh, became uh, head of sales in uh, the VP of sales in, in, in mayor. Uh, Jeremy Duggan, Cedric Pesch, Northern Europe, Southern Europe. They put me in the, uh, for my, let's say, style into the channel role to try to change their mentality, working really close with Cedric. The transition was, uh, was not that hard because, again, we had the opportunity to, to control things. Uh, the, the most difficult thing was to be understood by the people that were over you know existing that uh, remained that didn't have that training that uh, you know that way of doing things so even if with john kaplan it was done a very a very good job you know the the, the process was harder for them not for us mm. i don't know if, yeah. if you if if you are intelligent again you can uh, we we did the good thing is that we were able to hire a lot of new guys 
So, because also some of the old guys, they left because they didn't feel to, to, to work in, with, with that, let's say, energy. So naturally they said, okay, you know what, I'll, I'll look for a job at IBM because uh, I will be in my comfort zone. I will, I will look for a job in a bigger company where I can be more relaxed, where there, there will be no you know, drive to get results every quarter, every week. Uh, I don't want that kind of pressure. We were used to, the, to that pressure. And some of the people that left, naturally, they, were, they, they didn't accept it. So after three, four months, the new BMC was having a good shape and, and, and it was like working again at, at the logic, but with a much bigger scale and which, with, with much more products. Mm. Now, f- for you as a position, obviously you've been a key account manager for, you know, up, up until this point, you've always focused direct touch, key account management, key account sales. You were asked to transition into a more channel alliance type role, which is a very, very different approach. Obviously, you had a really interesting story around this and kind of why they chose you to do this. And I think it would be a quite interesting point for the viewers and listeners to be able to understand why that transition was there, why you were brought in to do that particular role. Um, Yes, because uh, BMC had, I think it was like uh, 70% of, the revenue coming from partners, especially with the product called Remedy. Uh, Remedy was acquired by BMC and it was only indirect. So they got the legacy of the, the, the Remedy channel into BMC. The thing is that Logic, PTC, we, we, were, we were used to have control on the sales activity. If you have an indirect model, you need to accept the fact that you cannot fully control what the partner is going to do because you're not doing it, they are doing it. So my task was to try to educate our partners to talk the same language that our sales guys were talking because there was a friction some of our, you know, when you put a sales guy that is a Marine and you give him an account, like a big account, like uh, Telecom Italia or Vodafone or HSBC, whatever. And, uh, and that account is managed basically by a, a partner that has a different operating rhythm that doesn't care about forecasting the same way you do. Because if he close the deal, is good. If he doesn't, you know, shit happens. And you have a guy that is, on the other hand, driven by results. The two, the two words, they don't talk. They don't talk. And, uh, and, and this is a problem for a company that, again, has 70% of the revenue coming from that partner. Mm-hmm. So my, my task was to, and it was very difficult, was to try to educate them in order to be to have more control and more predictability on that forecast, to have them do what the sales guy was looking for yep. in order to close his process. And again, it was me because I am a natural connecting people guy <clears throat> more than others. And I, I don't know if it's true or not, but this was what Cedric, what Luca, what John, 
what Dave thought about me. So they said, okay, let's give Mauro this, uh, this, this role because maybe with this way of doing things, he can, especially in Italy, in Southern Europe, he can uh, help us. Yeah. And uh, it was okay because then they promoted me to an MA level. And this yeah. is more or less the story. Because this is the creation of more of a value-added partner channel yeah. model, which historically it was just a channel model, but your job was to, to add the value um, and to drive additional business through it rather than just existing business with existing customers and add value to those yeah. partners. Yeah, because from a partner you can get incremental business, but... I mean, if you if if they if they talk the same language, if they forecast in the same way, then you can forecast an incremental deal because you trust that partner, or you have let's say a fulfillment activity because your salespeople they do everything, but then you need a partner because of a contract, because of different, because of services or whatever, but they don't really influence the sales process, not completely then you can forecast it because you know that you did it, okay? So the challenge was to get more incremental revenue out of the partners. And again, it's, 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 um, it's not an easy task. I think mm. is one of the things that make me decided to, to leave that role because I believe I was not, based on my metrics, successful in achieving that is is a very different task so i'll also learn that sometimes that job is impossible to do or not impossible but is meaningful it doesn't it doesn't make sense to really try to change somebody that will never change maybe you need to learn how they operate and find a way to to get the best out of that in order to use it for your own convenience, to achieve your goals. Mm. But if you pretend them to be you, and they are not even your employees, you cannot command them, you cannot force them to be you, you're losing your time. You're losing your head more than your time. Yeah. I, I think if you were to kind of bring the analogy back to the fact that if you don't have accountability within your own team, you know that's where this all really falls apart. And because of the lack of accountability, because they're not your your employees in this instance, I think you can see the disconnect. You know, if you just had this medic playbook that you're talking about, that you've had the success, but you didn't have that accountability from your employees, you would probably be seeing that similar frustration to what you were seeing in your partners. Mm. Yes, yes, in a way, yes, and uh, no, actually, yes, and uh, the, the reality was also that most of those partners were not only bmc partners because they were also selling emc maybe they were selling i mean not in the competitive space but other products so they were not driven by the fact that either you sell or you die or <laughs> you sell bmc or you die you know what I mean? you were they were not hungry enough so um in fact i believe that the most successful partners that want to learn how to become you and because they believe in, in, in that your process is, is successful are the partners that are just selling one product. They are yeah. like uh, smaller boutique partners, specialized. They, they don't have an alternative. So either they, they really do 
revenue with you or they fail. And this is where they, they start uh, being competitive, uh, disciplined, uh, coachable, because is the, sa the same drive that we had as a sales guy, because we were driven by commissions. So if you want to make money with commissions, and this is where another element comes in play, make the, com the compensation plan healthy enough to make a guy uh, want to, 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 to go after that compensation plan. Because sometimes in the big companies, the, 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 the variable part is much smaller than the fixed part. So, you know, they like to stay in their comfort zone. Yeah. So if you find a partner that is monoproduct or they want to really be specialized, it helps to, 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 to merge in an easier way. If you have like a big company, like a system integrator, you are just one element of many and is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a nightmare to, to, to believe or to try to make them do the same things that you do. Yeah, even if you, know, you, you, you have like big uh, uh, press release saying, you know, strategic alliance with Accenture, with uh, Capgemini, blah, blah, blah. But at the end is, is a big thing. But when the two teams talk, it's difficult. It's really difficult. So obviously after that stint at BMC, um, you went back to EMC. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting point for you though, right? Because this, I think, was the point when we last spoke was a kind of a check and balance of where you are as an individual, what sacrifices you're making, you know, looking at your, your work-life balance. And I think this is a really interesting part to, to you as an individual uh, at a particular point in your, in your career. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that particular time. Yes. Um, so, um, as I said, inside, I knew that uh, my channel role was not because the channel was not producing results, but because my task of transforming some of these partners to make them very similar to a direct sales team, I believe was not producing the results that I wanted. So I'm a sales guy. So you, you can call us VP managers, but everybody, we are salespeople. So we want to, to be able to control completely what we do. As a sales race car driver, I like to control things because if you don't control your car, you, you know, and, 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 and your car drives you, you're, you're I mean, you, you can be, you, you, you can really, you're, you're fucked. <laughs> I'm sure the average age is going to be over 18 here, so you're right. <laughs> I'm sorry for my English, but <laughs> if it translates in the right way. But, but uh, you want to have control, you know. Is, uh, is, so I said, okay, you know, uh, I, was, I was having some tough conversation with, with, with Cedric, with Luca, uh, because, uh, again, um, EMC, where I, you know, I left France because I didn't, leave emc because they kicked me out like you know some people look at a cv and they say oh look how many changes because you know most of the time is because you know the relationship breaks and and the guy either leaves or is um is is is, is forced to leave let's say this so in my case i i left emc leaving friends 
my boss was a friend. He was happy with what I was doing. So they were looking for a change. EMC in 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 in, in 2010 started to to a journey to become uh, not only a storage company but a software company. Basically, they were already a software company without knowing because they had inside the storage a lot of tools, a lot of software components to manage data. So they created a division uh, called Ionix to do what basically in, a, in, in, in an area BMC was doing, IT service management. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was a great challenge. So they said, you, you went to BMC, you went to Blade Logic, BMC, now you are not, you, you, you came from, from seven years of BMC, so storage, hardware. Now you, are, you have knowledge about software, about what is important to sell software that is different of selling hardware, uh, how this changes the process of doing things in a, in a company. So you learn how to be a manager, come back, we'll give you more money, and uh, um, you can have uh, a nice role in a, you know, in a, in a company like, like EMC, uh, being responsible of sales in uh, Italy, Germany, and France. That is, by the way, like a joke, because you know, a German and an Italian and a French don't have anything. I, I believe that usually regions are Spain, Portugal, and Italy, yeah. you know, French and, the, 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 and, and Belgium, and then you know, Germany by itself, because it doesn't relate to anything else. And then you know the northern Europe with UK and 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 uh, and uh, and Scandinavia. So Germany, Italy, and France was already something that people said, "Oh, oh my God!" You know, what is what is this? Uh, and um, but is uh, it was it was great on the paper. So I, I I said, "Okay, I'm not happy with the channel in, uh, in in BMC. I want to go back and be able to grow my direct sales team." So they, 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 they convinced me. I had, again, great friends, Ricardo Di Blasio, that now is the chief revenue officer at Convolt, was the, the country manager in Italy. And um, I said, okay, you know, I'm coming back. I was looking for the opportunity to hire people with my DNA. And in fact, I, you know, I hired a couple of ex-PTC guys like Andrea Rizzi. <laughs> You know, it's like a small mafia. You know, we look for each other. We smell each other. Uh, we know it's going to be easier if you if you if you if you have that background. And uh, and um, I accepted. And only six months later, EMC made the move of taking the best part of the offering of Ionics, and they gave it to VMware. I had like an empty box in front of me. So I said, you know, I, I didn't leave BMC to, 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 to join a management position just for the fun of it, because I want to have, again, my big, big, big title in, in, in LinkedIn or on, the, on a business card. I'm not that kind of person. So I, I, I said, I don't like it. So they told me, okay, you know what? Uh, don't move. Stay there. <laughs> Go play golf for a couple of months. And I did, and uh, we'll we'll find you another position because we want you here. Michele Liberato was uh, again the president of EMC Italy with Ricardo. We we talked a lot, 
And um, at the end, you know, my friend Cedric uh, was always talking to me. We were talking every day and uh, he said, you know, we, why don't you come back again at BMC? Because uh, uh, no channel anymore. I want to rebuild the direct sales team. We can hire some good guys. And, uh, and by the way, I did my best hire ever. That is a lady in Rome called uh, Giulia Loretelli in that, in that, in that, in that year. And uh, uh, we're still working together, by the way. And, uh, and uh, I ended up leaving EMC after only 10 months, I believe. Uh, less than a year, by the way. And, uh, and rejoined BMC with Cedric again to rebuild direct sales team in Italy. And it was great because we had a lot of fun, starting from scratch. Because the previous country manager in Italy, I think he made a little, you know, some, some he didn't do the right, the right moves. So most of the successful sales guys during that year left. And uh, with Cedric, we decided to, to rebuild uh, a nice uh, team at uh, BMC in Italy. Amazing. And I think, you know, at that point, was that the point where it was a, a point for you to kind of look at the sacrifices that you would make? Was it the enjoyment side yes. of thing that we spoke about that, you know, you had to think about your health, you had to think about you know, where you were going as an individual and what you were sacrificing? Um, well, sincerely, that came, it, it has been always in my head. Yeah, because uh, it, it came from Carlo Carpanelli that unfortunately is not with us anymore because he died in an airplane crash uh, before Blade Logic. And um, Carlo had a screensaver, a screensaver on on his laptop with with a clock because uh, the clock is running. He was telling us this story every time. He says, "You cannot go back, so use it." Either you are with your family, either you are driving a car, either you are selling, whatever you're doing, doing at your best. Do it at your best. Because, again, it's your life. So we were, I made the calculation that a successful sales guy with our energy spends more than 75% of a day life working. Even in the weekend, we are connected on the phone, we talk to each other, we talk to Ruskas. We always think about sales. We're in the shower and we think about, you know, maybe, you know, it, it was having it inside. So I said, I need to have a job that will not require a vacation from. Okay. I need a life where I don't, I don't need, I don't, I don't need a vacation from, you know? So going back with Cedric that at the time was also a, a different person because again, we are talking about years. We, we are talking as you know, our conversation has been on for less than an hour, but we described like 20 years of, of activity. Of course. Yeah. Yes. And uh, so Cedric was not a 22 years guy anymore. He was a 40 years old guy with a different experience, with a different uh, mentality. So it was more fun to work together. That's why together, I believe we decided to leave BMC and join again, for a short amount of time, a company named uh, Bazaar Voice. Because yeah. David Cherry was, was there as well. David Cherry yes. was there, wasn't he? McMahon, Ticeria, Luca Lazzaron. I mean, mm. 
we we had everybody again together trying to change the way of of selling in a different world because we were talking about social media marketing uh, rating and reviews something that were we were completely not aware and i go back to the initial point do you need to be a specialist of something to sell it no you need to know how to sell learn what that product can make for a customer and then apply the, the, the playbook and you can be successful. And we tried to have, uh, you know, to try something new in a different space. <laughs> we were dressing a different way because, you know, when you go and, and sell social marketing, you talk to marketing people. And uh, our office at, uh, at EMC, at BMC, they were, you know, very, let's say, old school offices. We were wearing always a suit and a tie. Very formal. Uh, we went to Bazaar Voice, and we were having, uh, you know, no no ties, no shirt. Uh, the office was an open space with the ping pong. Uh, we had, we, you know, <laughs> Google style, and we were not used to it. But we were looking for something fun to do, and uh, because again, life and time have a big impact on on the decision that. As a growing person, you do. When you're young, you don't do it enough. When you start becoming 40, 45, 50, your time, your clock is, is running fast. So you want to really, you, you look for something exciting to do. Because again, your time is more valuable when it, when it goes to the end instead of the beginning of your life. And uh, the, 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 the impact of, of, of this and my health came later. When I left Bazaar Voice to join Delphix, you know, a few years ago, I, I, I got sick. I, 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 got, um, I got cancer in my throat. I have a big scar in my, in my neck. Uh, I had to add two operations, two surgeries to remove it. And I'm healthy. I'm super healthy. <laughs> but uh, my, my brain started really swinging about, you know, the, the clock and how fast was uh, running and uh, how difficult it was to control my, let's say, destiny based on, you know, things can happen. So I, I decided to uh, start racing again. After 23 years, uh, I'm, I'm racing now in the NASCAR European Championship uh, against people like Jacques Villeneuve, Anthony Kumpen, uh, Alon Day, Gianni Morbidelli, my new teammate, yeah. And uh, I decided to do it with my son because, you know, who knows. And more than ever, I tried to do my job smiling and having fun because I, I have the skills. They are with me now for, you know, I have my personality. Nobody can change it. I, I don't care if something, somebody doesn't like it anymore. And I believe that I need to use time in a way that has to be the right one. So. I did some, uh, I took some decisions based on this. Do I look for a um, you know, big role and again, an, another opportunity, uh, career opportunity? No. Do I make enough money to enjoy what I do? Yes. Spend time with my, my son, by the way, graduated in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina with the golf scholarship. Hey, uh, congratulations. Went to, uh, yeah. <laughs> went to work for Accenture and now he's uh, in a Swiss bank. In Lugano with us, so is uh, is uh, is fun because 
uh, everything that I had in mind already about that clock running with a personal experience related to the fact that I got sick, even if I was lucky enough to, to now I'm super healthy, it made me think that maybe we need to, again, more than ever, have fun. Yeah. And that, that, still that, work. That, that clock that you're referring to, you're obviously referring to Carlos's clock, right? The one that was on his screensaver. Yes. Was that something that you were aware and always had at the back of your mind throughout your entire kind of career? Because you are talking about something that happened, what, 25 years ago, right? Was that always at the back of your mind? And were you always kind of conflicted? Am I doing the right thing? Or, 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 or were you just going with it? Uh, at the beginning, that clock was... <laughs> the, the 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 quarter is is running <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I, I think i think i think carlo at the beginning had it to show that you know yeah. q1 was already already closing <laughs> so you know uh, it was not related to quality of life or anything mm. else like that but then it was not true because carlo was a guy that I saw for the first time that was different from anybody else. By the way, I mean, Carlo and Cedric, Luca, but Carlo and Cedric may, had a big, have a big impact in, 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 on my personal life and, and career because I believe that two completely different people that combined together in a, in a, in a great way and fantastic way. And I learned a lot out of mm. these two guys. But by the way, with Carlo, was not, uh, he was a guy from Bologna, I remember. It was fun to work with, even if that clock could have meant the quarter is closing. So use your time to close deals. At the same time, he was doing everything, having fun. I remember he knew I was coming from you know, racing, and uh, we had a kickoff in Monte Carlo, in the in the uh, monaco in the um, next to nice you know monte carlo mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, we we decided to take the office in bologna the people of the office in bologna and go to this meeting with two minivans <laughs> so we had and i think it was the, the, we were two ford transit eight seater and uh, so the Bologna office was 16 guys. So eight were in one minivan and eight were in the other. So the idea of Carlo, again, just to, 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 to explain how crazy it was, was Mauro will drive one, Cedric will drive the other one, we'll put numbers on the minivans, number one, <laughs> number two. It's race. We printed big, big, big numbers like race cars, and we raced from Bologna to Monaco with these with these two minivans with the, the the people screaming inside because they were scared and it was uh, crazy i mean don't don't believe that we did something completely crazy but some somehow in some part where it was that kind of attitude mm. so, uh, other companies like you know emc it was like more you know uh, you have to be professional you cannot do this you cannot do that uh, sometimes who cares you know let's have some fun i remember joining uh, bmc for the first time they made me read the that that particular paper about uh, how to i forgot the name in english 
how to deal with the the, the, the other sex and um, sexual harassment uh, right. laws. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. If if you are in a, in a, in a room with the with the copy machine, be sure that you're not alone. If there is a lady, you need another guy with you because otherwise, you know that kind of stuff. With with us, you, you never think about that. that yeah. yeah. Of course, if you grow up as a manager and you grow in a company, sometimes you need to have it. But again, that mentality, Carlo, gave us this, you know, have fun. Have fun. Because if you have fun, you work better. You produce more. You need the foundation, but you need to have fun. Mm. Makes it's, sense. Yes. Completely. You only live once, right? So, yes. so, so yes. All, of these, all of these learnings, right? There's obviously been a... a a vast journey you know there's been lots of different things you've learned playbooks you've learned strategies you've learned diplomacy you've learned have fun how would your team describe you from a management perspective you know how, how is this what's the new version from a from a, as a manager of uh, my order i don't manage a big team now uh we are let's say a small team but is is again my, my the balance of my life is uh, is what I want. Uh, I actually I, in agreement with Delphis, I created also my own company because uh, it's a consulting company and we provide uh, sales uh, and and technical services to. We look for startups. You know, we look for in not in competition with Delphix because we we talked and uh, it could it could also help us to to sell more Delphix. Uh, because we can attach that technology to other components that are always around Delphix. So I also started my, let's say, career as an entrepreneur. I'm still, you know, doing my job uh, with Delphix and I'm very happy, uh, but uh, with a different flavor, okay? So I, I decided not to go because I had the opportunity to maybe apply for a role and go back and manage a big number of guys being again uh, a sales manager or uh, but it's not it's not me uh, you need to understand who you are and uh, even if the opinion of a guy that is in my team or people that work for me uh, is not exactly the right one because they don't know me or they they relate to me to somebody that I will never be like okay i want to see if mauro fits the VP of sales role, okay? What does the standard VP of sales do? Is Mauro successful in doing that? Maybe they will say, no, Mauro is, you know, he likes too much to go out and play golf. He believes too much in relationship. He believes, in this is my style, okay? So I don't care about what they think. I care about what I think that is right for me, okay? I'm not looking for people clapping their hands saying, oh, we, we like, we like uh, what we see. Do you like me? Good. You don't like me? Good. I, again, uh, I, I like where I am and I don't like to have regrets. I don't know, again, if, because if you think that you could have been something different, maybe you start again not doing what you're doing in the right way. Makes so much sense. Makes so much sense. And I think so often overlooked when all you do is focus on your career and your career only. And it's 
the the balance between the two is just ridiculously important and often lost at your level and at the you know at senior level because you're so far in it that you you know and you put so much pressure on yourself you take on so many responsibilities that your hand is forced you know you can't not do that type of job half-heartedly or and so as you say you have made the sacrifice i'm not going to continue to climb i'm happy at the level i am at the moment and i've now got a perfect work-life balance where i can enjoy spending time inside and outside yeah. of work yes there is uh, something uh, uh, that is uh, not fitting with this uh, way of thinking and is you know some 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 friends of mine uh, they said okay you know what i will put a lot of energy i will do this you know full speed putting sometimes in challenge my own family life because i just need to work i want to be the best in what i do produce results make money i will do that for up to when i'm 50 55 and then i retire Okay, and I will start enjoying my life when I'm 55 or 60. Okay, maybe it's good for them, but I think it's wrong because you know something can happen, and then each of a sudden, don't get you opportunity in your life. Yeah, to because you would you know look at what happened to me, cancer. I'm lucky again, and thanks God I'm lucky. But yeah. it could have been something completely different. So. Yeah. Do you think if you didn't maybe, get cancer? Maybe you think you can, mm. you can do something tomorrow, but that tomorrow mm. would never come. Mm. So my point is, maybe it's the right thing to do and you can really do as much as you can. Maybe you can do as I did, but mm. then there is, a, again, a, a, an opposite part. I, will, I need to work until, until I'm 75 because I, I spend every, every dollar that I make because <laughs> I don't make enough like the big managers. You have an expensive hobby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fast cars. It's just. No, it's I, the, I, I, yeah. I go windsurfing. I go oh, yeah. with my mountain bike. I do. I do enduro racing with my yeah. mountain bike. I go skiing. I I like to. Do, I like to live. Yeah. I don't like. I told. I told my son, forget about having dad putting you know you in a bank account you know some money because uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna save any money. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know what? So I said I will yeah. invest in your college. Like with my daughter, same thing, because I want to teach you how to become productive. Because if you are able to produce money by yourself and somebody teaches you how to become productive with the right rules, you will never suffer to mm. be able to maintain your lifestyle. Okay? But if you rely on the fact that your, your, your father is rich mm. and has money because he works so much and he puts some money in, in, in his bank, maybe you never lived with your father. And when you have his money, you don't know how to do it, how to do with, you know, anything with that, with that amount of money, and you will waste it in a couple of years. Mm. Do you think if you... They didn't teach you how to be productive. Yeah, 100%, totally with you on that one. Do you think if you weren't to have got cancer and had that sort of, whoa, you know, life expectation coming, you know, closing short, do you think that would have changed your no, decision? Or did you make that no, decision before that? I did it before. Okay. So that was the proof that proof, I, yeah. the way yeah. I, I was thinking was the right one. Amazing. What a so, life. So, yeah, great. I mean, it's, it's so, so insightful. Uh, Mo, just going back to, the, to, to this kind of story that we're telling today, is there anything else that you think 
you know, we've missed or anything that you think is important that we haven't covered in terms of, you know, the different elements that, you know, you think are important that our listeners would want to, to find out or hear about? No, no, I, I think that we can recap saying, uh, be yourself. Look for that's actually that's actually our next question, which is what advice would you give to our listeners? Okay, uh, that okay. looking to yeah. So, okay. what is the advice that you would actually give to our listeners? No, I I mean um, everything is. Every, I cannot give an advice because I believe that um, I would be arrogant to say to somebody do what I think is right. I I believe that the advice is. Uh, look inside yourself. Uh, if you want a career, look for the right product and for the right people around you. Because uh, you can be Superman in selling, super salesman, you know, with the red uh, cape and uh, a big S in your chest. And, uh, and, uh, but if you don't have that product, maybe you can sell once but then you have to disappear because you know the market does not give money for free okay so you need to have the, the product that is the hot one because a great sales guy is always looking for the great you know a great company great product to sell a great company because you need the right people that will give you something not just give you orders they will give you something as leaders, as leading examples. So look for people around you that have the same DNA, that you can talk, that have intelligence, that have wish, will, that have coachability and integrity. Look for uh, a job that can allow you to have fun, as I said before, because life is one. The time is running and it doesn't come back. So that's my only advice. And again, is everybody can take his decision and do what they want. Every personality is different. It can be good for me, but cannot be good for somebody else. But uh, for me, is what I you know I think is good. And then there's the kind of final question that we always ask: In your opinion, does the does the hunter actually make the unicorn? <laughs> 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 Okay, uh, it was uh, I, it's, it's a is a fun story about unicorn and my search on Google. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure our listeners might look and Google that after. <laughs> no, don't, 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 don't look at Google. Don't. It's, it's the wrong thing to do. You you can be you can be um, you can uh, you, get yourself in trouble. Don't, don't, yeah, yeah, don't, especially if your wife. Check yeah. on, on your on your laptop and and search on the on the history of. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the, the 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 hunter, so the 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 the, the sales guy, can make it. Yes, absolutely. Not everybody will, because uh, again, I have uh, I told you already these names so many times: John McMahon, Cedric Pesh, Jeremy Duggan, Luca Lazzaron, McClaskey. Paul Kant, uh, Kaplan. I mean, those guys, it, it requires energy. It requires discipline, okay? Sometimes you're lucky. You can close deals. But if you want to be the hunter that makes the unicorn, be prepared to do what is needed, 
okay, and, and sacrifice part of your clock to make it happen. Be smart enough to find a way to have fun in the meantime, but you definitely can make it. If you think that you can make it without that discipline, without that sacrifice, without that intelligence and the wish to learn, to, 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 to understand, forget it. <laughs> I think so what I you're think saying really there good. is, oh, yeah. sorry, just, just to, sorry, sorry to interrupt you there, Simon. I think what you're saying there is John McMahon's hunters can make the unicorn. At <laughs> <laughs> uh, least the people that are following in that. Uh, I mean, I have those, I have those guys as mm. examples. I have, you know, they, they really are for me. I mean, I, is is uh, sincerely as you as you said if you do a statistic and you see the the rate of success of people coming you know jeremy duggan again uh, john luca lazaro cedric Pesch. cedric is a is a great example they all come from from john's school but john is coming also from somebody else's school because he didn't learn by himself and uh, i believe that our i, I work at delphix and most of the people at Delphix did not did not come from PTC, and uh, and you know some of them are really successful as well, but because the, what John did is you know look at the elements that are the you know a common element in the success life of a, of, of of a successful sales guy, and he named them by the medic somehow. Mm-hmm. Maybe in other companies, they exist, but they are recognized in a different way. Okay, so it doesn't matter how you call them. If you come from PTC or if you come from EMC, you have, you have great example of successful people and you tell them, did you apply the medic? They would say, what is the medic? I don't know. But if you go back and understand with them and you, and you do reverse engineering, of how they manage activity, they will tell you that they did the same thing that we did. So I think it's a really great place to uh, to, to end, Martin. Um, so I, I suppose I just want to summarize what we've heard today because I think today's episode has really been about decisions. I think that's a good way of kind of summarizing because you start you started early on in your career where you had the devil and the angel on your shoulder where you had a decision to make you know do i go and follow my passion or do i go and follow my father's footsteps and i think you know what's interesting is yes you obviously uh, did your race your 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 you became a professional racing driver you had your success that competitive nature obviously gave you the opportunity to then go on and have the success that you had within kind of software sales uh, where you met an incredible group of people that taught you playbooks and strategies um, and gave you the options to be able to take your career to as far as you wanted to because you had all the attributes you had all the skills you had all the raw materials but it got to a point in your career where again, it was about making the decisions that was right for you. Um, do, I, do I just want to look back and just think I've made an incredible career or have I lived an incredible life? And I think that's what I'm hoping that most of our listeners are going to take away from, uh, from today's episode. So once again, I really want to thank you um, for taking the time to speak with us. You've been a fantastic um, guest and um, I, I, I hope 
that will get the opportunity to be driven around in uh, in one of your cars um, somewhere around. So uh, I'd, I'd like to see just how fast you are. <laughs> because your reputation definitely precedes you so once again thank you ever thank so you much very much for, uh, for thank you guys thank you it was a pleasure for me thank you for the opportunity is uh, is a good way also to take memories that are maybe stored in my in my head and and uh, and, and and see them in front of me because you know so again thank you very much i appreciate it right thank you so uh, much thank you so much so to our listeners Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please comment, share, and like. Feel free to get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Lots more guest lines up, so please look up, look out for our live updates on LinkedIn and on our somuchsoap.com website forward slash blog. That's all for today's show. And remember, unicorns are made and not found. <laughs>